This is Becca Millhaven just saying, I am Tom Becca. And I'm McGraw Millhaven. I don't have anything witty to say. And I'm not eating. You're not, man, you, you've been, you eat every day uh, time we do this podcast. I know, but I, this is a special, this is a special blossom. Um, I just got <laughs> home. Wait, 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 wait. A special blossom? This is, is that like some special. obscure TV reference? Yes, this is a very special blossom. You know how, like, in the 80s and the 90s, they had to... I know, you're, I know, I know where you're going with this, yes. But I, I just really thought it would have been a very special Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. See? You, now you're getting in the swing of things. All right. Uh, I, ju- I just left Top Gun Maverick. And I had popcorn, butter, Twizzlers, and a Diet Coke. <laughs> Probably a large Diet Coke, right? Lar- a large Diet Coke, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and let yeah. me tell you, and let me tell you, this is why Thomas Edison invented movies. <laughs> so, so does Thomas Edison get a, a credit in the film? Uh, this movie is fantastic. Never have I been to a movie with so much hype, and it's, oh, it's so delivered. I got to tell you, I... As I mentioned before, I have not seen the first one. I didn't. How see- is that possible? Because I have a life and you know didn't have time for movies. I, if if you haven't seen the first one, seriously, don't go see the second one until you see the first one. You 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 will not appreciate the nuance. The, the it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, just fantastic. But actually, and this is, I actually have the desire to see this because everybody everybody I'm talking to that has seen it. And all the reviews are saying just what you're saying. It was, I mean, there were a couple of things. There were a couple of things that I would have done differently. A couple of scenes that sort of kind of don't work. And it, But the ode to the past, as well as the new story, it is, it is fantastic. It, it is just fantastic. Is it? Okay, so, so they're not more to the story than just uh, a bunch of cool planes, huh? Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, the, the first one, actually Jerry Bruckheimer and Tony Scott, the original director said before they, they released it, they, they thought they had, they thought their careers in movies were over with. They didn't, they didn't think they had anything. They released it. And all of a sudden it becomes this, you know, iconic eighties, you know, movie, probably one one of the most iconic movies ever. Right. Uh, Especially of the eighties. And it's got the movie, the original movie. I can't believe you've never seen the original. Yeah, it's got fighter pilots and jets and, you know, mach- machismo, but it's also got sort of a heart to it and sort of a sort of a it's got a, it, it, it has a real heart to it. And the second one just sort of takes that and expounds on it. OK, but the real question is, does it have a Kenny Loggins soundtrack? Um, well, Kenny Loggins is in there. I mean, you can't have you can't have it without. It's just really well done. It's just really well done. I teared up a couple times. It's just really, it was really good. And Miles Teller as Goose's son is fantastic. Um, Penny, Jennifer Connelly, I knew she was beautiful. Uh, I mean, she's a beautiful woman. Holy yeah, she is. She has aged well. Holy mackerel, she's gorgeous. She yeah. is gorgeous. Um, it's just a good summer blockbuster. I mean, the movie smells like popcorn. The fight scenes are really cool. Um, you know, landing on an aircraft carrier or taking off from an aircraft carrier. Okay, it's, we, it's really cool. We, we, we get it. We get it. We get it. Uh, you like the movie. Yeah, you like the movie. We get it. I like the first one and the second one. 
What I don't like is you. <laughs> by the way, by the way, you mentioned popcorn. Did you see there's actually movie theaters are concerned because there might be a popcorn shortage. Of all the other shortages there are, you know, and it's a, the popcorn shortage because you know McGraw had the the super jumbo popcorn with the butter uh today. I don't know. I don't know if there was a popcorn shortage before, but there is after today. That's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, they're concerned about a popcorn shortage. Also, while we're on the movie kick here, while we're on the movie kick here, um, did you hear about the uh, Tom Hanks movie, A Pinocchio, that's coming out? Uh, no, Tom, I haven't heard about the Tom Hanks Pinocchio movie. I'm not setting you up for anything here. I mean, it's not <laughs> yes, you are. Yes. No, you are. I'm, I'm trying to have a, I'm actually trying to have a legitimate conversation with you. Okay. Um, but Why no, should no. this podcast be any different? I know. Uh, so anyway, so Tom Hanks and Robert Zemeckis, who did like Polar Express together. Yeah, he's great. Oh, yeah, they're great. They're great, right? Uh, this movie's coming out. Pinocchio's coming out, I think, like this fall or early winter, maybe September, October, somewhere around there. It's coming out, but it's not going to be in the theaters. It's only going to be on Disney+, Plus, which means like no Academy Award nominations. Which means you won't be able to see it on the on the big screen in the theater, right? You gotta, you know, see it on your big screen at home. Which is interesting when you think about it, because you would think, you know, a studio like Disney, you know, the Academy Awards used to mean some things. And if you got Tom Hanks and Robert Zemeckis doing a, a Disney classic like Pinocchio, you know there's gonna be some Oscar nominations. Well, and, and they and evidently they don't care about that anymore. Yeah, but they can release it to a movie theater for a week and qualify for the. Oscar. But they're not. That's so. just it. They're not. They're not releasing it to because that's. What, I mean, that's what that's what like um uh you know uh Hulu and um um Amazon well, Prime and that, with, Netflix too. That's what that's what oh, they did with Coda. That's how Coda was Oscar worthy or whatever. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. So, or what they I did. Though, I, I will say though, going to, well, they they played a um a preview of Tom Hanks in that Elvis movie. He looks like uh, Colonel Parker or whatever, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, he looks really not good. He looks, I mean, obviously he's playing the character. The character doesn't look good. Um, yeah. Fat and bald. And, well, that, yeah. Uh, that Colonel Parker was fat and bald. Yeah. 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 Um, but I don't know. There's no way that you can go see Top Gun, the movie and see it at home on your phone, right, in your living room, and get the same experience. You got to go to the movie theater because it was a whole, it was the whole experience. I, and I agree with you on movies like that, but that's, that's the thing, though. Like, movies like Top Gun, uh, you know, or, or all the Marvel comic ones, right? I mean, those, those uh, blockbusters, those are big screen movies. High energy, high action, big screen special effect kind of movies. Whereas, you know, something like a Coda, that that goes uh, straight to streaming, right? And, you know, I mean, it's in the theater for you know enough time to qualify for Academy Award, but then Apple gets it with the streaming service. Yeah, so, I don't, uh, I don't know. I mean, I know people are making movie theaters in their homes, like movie house, movie rooms for the, in the basement stuff. But quite frankly, I, I don't really think people watch movies in their own homes that way. I think they end up watching them on a regular TV on their phone or in the living room. Well, call, go grab dinner or whatever. I mean, but going to the movies. I, I couldn't wait to go to the movies. I mean, I went to a matinee with two dollars. It was five dollar Tuesdays, paid five dollars and twenty five cents, paid ninety five dollars for the popcorn, but the ticket was only five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the other thing was, 
you know you're getting older when you're trying to figure out the best time to go to the bathroom during a two and a half hour movie. <laughs> now, you know you're getting older when you go see a $5 matinee on a Tuesday. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't bother me. My prostate being enlarged, now that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now you kids get off the lawn, so anyway. All right, while I'm on the subject, Yes. Well, by the way, what subject are we on? Are we, are we on Top Gun? Are we on Pinocchio? Are we on Popcorn? Are we on your prostate? What subject are we on, McGraw? Uh, enlarged prostates. While we're on the get off my lawn category of the podcast. So, and I know you saw this story. And I know you're old enough to understand this. Can you explain to me why kids, teenagers, young teens, older teens don't want to be lifeguards anymore? There is. There is a lifeguard shortage. Right. Yeah. I mean, lifeguards were the top of the food chain, right? Yeah. I mean, they talked to all the cute girls, all the cute uh, lifeguard girls talked to all the cute boys. I mean, they were, they were, they, they opened the pool, they closed the pool, they had parties after the pool closed. I mean, they were the top of the food chain. Okay. Now, McGraw, they can do TikTok videos and make more money. Okay. All right. That's just it. Yes. Not all of them. Here's the other thing on that. Okay. And now, now I'm going to sound like the old guy in that, you know, a lot of these kids today, A, don't have the interest in like getting their driver's license. No, no. I mean, you know, I mean, my God, my, my 16th birthday, my dad was taking me down to get my license. I mean, God, I was, I would, I couldn't wait to have that, that autonomy, you know, that, that freedom. Kids don't seem to have that same drive for that. And from what I'm hearing, and, you know, this is all um, anecdotal, you know, re- re- being read on some article I saw online somewhere. So it could be complete and total bull. But from what I'm reading is that they don't necessarily even have, you know, that, that big, you know, sex drive, the way you're talking about how you'd be the lifeguard and, you get, you know, hit on all the hot chicks. Well, you wouldn't know that, speaking of sex drive, because you don't have any children. There's a reason for that. <laughs> that doesn't... <laughs> That doesn't mean anything. I don't know. I was trying. I was trying to come up with a joke there. It didn't. It didn't. No, it didn't go anywhere, did it? No. Uh, when I was seventeen, which is you do, you do. You're you're what? You're what? Seventy three, and you have a two year old. Um, hold on a second. I have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) When I was seventeen, because in uh, New York, uh, you got your permit at sixteen and your license at seventeen. Um, I would have rather have gotten my license than take my next breath. Oh yeah. Right. And now kids are like, well, I'll get to it eventually. I, I, they're missing out, man. Being a lifeguard was the goods. Yeah, I, you know, I got, I got friends who have kids, and it's like, you know, I'll just take an Uber. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, how, why? No, man. I was, I'll never forget. Columbus, Ohio, 16. I went, I took the driver's test. You know, my dad drove me over there in his old Chrysler 300. We drove there. I drove around. I did the, uh, the parallel parking. I did parallel park. I passed the test. Dropped my dad off at work and he let me have the car. And I remember driving down High Street in Columbus, Ohio, through, you know, down, down the street with the radio blaring and, you know, both hands on the wheel at 10 and 2 and just feeling like I was king of the world. So hold on a second. Let me get this straight. You're cruising down Main Street in Columbus, Ohio. You got the AM radio blasting in your dad's Studebreaker and you thought you were cool. 
<laughs> what did you have on the in what today's you have on context? The in today's <laughs> context, it may not. By the way, it was a Chrysler 300. Okay, but it was not. But it you was were a, really belting out Mona Lisa, were you, by Nat King Cole? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think it was probably some uh, Blackburn Turner Overdrive, but yeah, um, sure it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, hey man, I, I had the same experience in my Chevy Malibu Classic with the childproof windows in the back and and the wood paneling on the side. I was rocking out driving to school. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. So yeah, you're talking about this. So to your point about the lifeguards, I don't know why kids don't want to be lifeguards. That that would have been a cool summer job. You know, um, uh, what was your, okay? What was what was like your your best summer job? Oh no, hands down. Uh, my buddy Ling and I, I came home from summer. Baseball career was in tatters. Um, and he needed a partner to go in to clean boats. So we cleaned boats all summer. Like we, the fiberglass boats we'd wax. And then we cleaned the boats once a week. So we're basically made for these monstrosities. And he bought all the supplies and we split the money 50-50. So I'd go in the morning. He'd come pick me up. We'd go maybe an hour, two hours. And we'd shoot. We'd charge three, $400 to clean up, you know, to clean this boat. And we'd clean the boat. We'd get there three, $400 for the day. And we'd go home. You know, I'll tell you. Uh, I'll tell you my, my summer job story in a minute. But, you know, you bring up the point there about how much money you made part-time cleaning boats. Uh, my, my nephew was a caddy. When he was in high school, my other nephew, my other nephew was uh, that, that computer nerd. And he, well, he's a computer expert now and making big bucks and everything. But at the time in high, he was doing computer work. My niece, my niece at like 15 was a hostess at a restaurant and she was making more than minimum wage. My point here being, we have this big argument about minimum wage work. Look, if a high school kid be make, can be making, you know, part-time yeah. work making, you know, 20 bucks an hour. You're making, you know, two, 300 bucks there in college cleaning boats. You know, I, the whole idea of minimum wage is just, you know, is beyond me. It seems well, to me. Well, there's, you know, there's something, there's, well, you know, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of privilege going on, right? I mean, I was in an affluent neighborhood that, <laughs> that was very close to really expensive boats, right? And so, and I had a buddy who came who was from a rich family who came and, you know, sort of help me out and split the money with me. You know, people living in, you know, the Bronx don't really have the access to like really rich boats. Yeah, but there's other access. They have access to other stuff. I yeah, mean, but, but, you know, it's, it's, there was a lot, there was a lot I, of things that were going my way. I imagine a pizza delivery guy in the Bronx can make some pretty good money. A guy doing delivering Chinese food in the Bronx could probably make some pretty good money. Yeah, but back then he got shot halfway through the, you know, I mean, there, there are places in the Bronx now that are, you know, selling for, you know, $10 million brownstones. When I was a kid, if, if I actually went to that neighborhood and survived, my grandmother would have shot me for going to the neighborhood. <laughs> they're actually, they're actually, uh, just started watching this documentary on one of the streaming services. I forget which one, but it was about, uh, like the last days of the Bowery. Cause the Bowery in New York oh, there yeah. used to, used to really be like the slum. It was like, that's where all the drunks and the winos and the losers went. Right. Yeah. But now, now it's, uh, now it's a very trendy neighborhood in New York, but uh, this is all about the last days of the Bowery before it became gentrified. Oh, I bet. You know, and that gentrification is interesting, too, because St. Louis is kind of going through that with North City. And so for, you know, I don't know, 50, 60 years, right, North City has declined in population. 
the housing stock has declined. Now they've got burned out buildings and brick buildings and right. And so people want to rebuild it, but they don't want it gentrified. I don't know how you, how do you pour money back into a neighborhood, right? And the people who stayed, how do they participate in the rise of the neighborhood without sort of pricing themselves out of the neighborhood? That's the problem. I mean, because, you know, they, they have found that if you have, matter of fact, we got a project here called the 75 North, which uh, uh, Susie Buffett's uh, foundation has yeah. helped to uh, put together and everything. And what it is, basically, it's about like affordable housing and it ties in with the school to get uh, better education for the kids and really trying to, to build some pride of ownership and some pride in the neighborhood. And that's the problem with gentrification is that, yeah, is that too often it ends up they can't afford living there anymore. So then where right. do those people go? Yeah. Uh, and, and so now the old, the old, um, what happens is that old community, that old neighborhood, the artists move in and then the artists end up, you know, making it a hip place to be. And then the next thing you know, you got condos going up and uh, the artists have to go somewhere else. Well, no, but I mean, you're renting a, an apartment in the Bowery or North Omaha or North St. Louis. Right. And all of a sudden a developer comes in and rehabs the building and, your $200 rent now went to $3,000. You get priced out. I don't know how you solve that problem, but you want to rehab the neighborhood. Yeah. So what, what do you do? How, how, you can't, I don't know. I mean, it's a sort of never-ending problem of gentrification somehow is a bad word. By the way, I had a developer once who was pretty well, pretty, pretty well off and had done very nicely and sort of knew how to pick the right neighborhoods. And I said this on the radio and I got massive grief for it. But he said to me, um, follow the gays. He said, follow the gays. When the gays move into a neighborhood, that's the first sign that that neighborhood at some point is going to be successful down the road. And that's all he did. He made his fortune following the gays. He followed where the gay people sort of moved into because they would take these bad neighborhoods, these bad blocks, and sort of spruce it up a little bit, right? Yeah, and that's, so no, no, that, that, that's just what he told his wife. <laughs> oh, really, really, honey, I'm going to that neighborhood. I'm, it's a real estate deal, really. I, I'm working. I'm going to some real estate. Yeah, that's it. So, but he made a fortune following the gays. So I went on the air and I was like, you know, you want to make some money in real estate, follow the gays. And oh boy, I heard it. Heard it from the gays and the non-gays and everybody else. I uh, remember one time when I was doing morning radio in a music format, and I, I forget what the joke was, but somehow. The joke, basically, the punchline was somehow Buddy Epson was gay. Okay. Buddy Epson's gay? No, he's not. He's dead, matter of fact, right now. But at the time, this is going back how many years ago it was, right? Well, yeah, and, that was so old. Can that's I tell us a story? That's, Wait, when let me gay talk. Meant, that's when gay meant happy. That's how old you are. Can you let me finish the story? Yes, dear. So, anyway, so I, mean, did, I did the joke. I forget what the punchline was, but it's like Buddy Epson was gay. And we're all sure, we're just sure, me and my, my partner felt, said that, okay, we're going to get phone calls now from the gay community gonna be all pissed off at us, right? Not one don't play from the gay community, but boy, the Buddy Epson fan sure came out. Hey, oh man, we pissed off every Buddy Epson fan in town. You know, it was- uh, The Buddy Epson fan club was calling for your demise. I know, yeah, who, who knew? Who Did you knew? know that, you know that Buddy Epson was supposed to play the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. And the paint, it, it was allergic. He couldn't do it. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So talk about summer jobs. That's like, why he turned gay, because of the, the paint. 
he, he, he liked to get all made up. Uh, he, he was he was an ultimate crossdresser. <laughs> Go and show up as a Tin Man. Um, look, so um, so here's what uh, you talk about your job um, cleaning boats. I was a whopper slopper. I worked at Burger King, right? You, uh, part of my think you were a what? A whopper slopper. I never that's heard what, that phrase used before. That, well, that's what we called ourselves when we worked at Burger King. Home of the whopper. A whopper slopper. A whopper slopper. Anyway. So this was back. Burger King used to be when they, uh, before they would have the, uh, the person in the front counter talking to a microphone to give the order. Yeah. The people in the back making it, right? So I you would come up and say, yeah, whopper with cheese, hold the mayonnaise to order a fries, yeah. large yeah, coke. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, anyway. <laughs> so it's a hot summer day. It must have been, it must have been like, I don't know, middle of August, 100 degrees, right? And about three in the afternoon. So the place is dead. We got a few guys working in the back there, you know, getting ready and then all that. And I'm working the front counter. And these two, I'm talking just gorgeous women come walking up through the parking lot. And this is back in the days of halter tops mm. and tank tops. Yeah, they were they were lifeguards. I'm 17 or 18 years old, right? So it's like, oh my God, these women are coming in and it's like, oh yeah, I got, I got this order, but I got this one, right? I am grinning from ear to ear, right? These women come up. This, this, this story can go any number of ways. Yeah. This woman come, this woman come up and I'm, I'm just grinning. My, I'm, I bring a smile on my face. So this one woman says to me, you have a nice set of teeth. To which they hear me say over the microphone, you have a nice set also. <laughs> which I was never so embarrassed in my entire life. The back room starts cranking up. I realized what I had said. And it was just, yeah. They, the, the girls thought it was funny, though. Did, did she have a nice set of teeth? I, oh, teeth. Teeth, oh, yeah. Oh, you said you said T I T S. No, no, I didn't say. You can say tits. It's a it's a uh, podcast. You're not on the radio. Yeah. No, I just said you have a nice set. Also, which is all that's all those guys in the back heard. Yeah, well, they were getting their special sauce ready. You really? You went there? <laughs> There's any number of ways I could have gone. You're an embarrassment. <laughs> God, you're an embarrassment. Um. By the way, by the way, you're talking about and everything. Yeah. You sold you sold your house right at the right time. You sold your house right at the right time because uh, the housing market is uh, it's tapering off. It's not crashing or anything, but the uh, the market we saw this spring when uh, people were getting you know 10, 15 offers and stuff on a house ain't happening anymore. Well, why why do you say that? Well, because I they also sell real estate, so I know this stuff with Better Homes and Gardens, the Good Life Group. Got to get the brokerage name in there. What's the uh, what's the if I wanted to get a hold of you to to buy some. Or sell some real estate in Omaha. What's the phone number? Oh, the number is 402-321-9590. So you're telling but, me that you single-handedly ruined the real estate market? Yeah, it's all my fault. Um, well, I, I've heard that it sort of, it depends on the house, right? I mean, if the house isn't perfect, it's not getting any offers. Or Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's more of a normal market. It's not a bad market. more of a normal market. That, that frenzy, though, of, you know, people paying, you know, 10000 20000 30000 over asking. Right. And those days are gone. Those days yeah. are gone. Yeah, I don't know if I mean I I got my asking price and, and I don't know if I asked too much or too little or who knows. I mean it's all Yeah. 
it's, it's all. But now you're renting for a month until your new place gets built, or you're until your new place. Uh, I'm renting. I have a meeting tomorrow with the new builder. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, yeah. I mean, I it's going to take him a year to build it, or who knows how long. So that's the that's the plan anyway. Uh, is he still are they still having a tough time getting the building supplies? Uh, I'll find out more tomorrow. Um, you know, I guess the lumber's come down quite a bit. Lumber futures, which I never thought I'd be a fan of or track watching lumber futures these, these days. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll learn more tomorrow, but, um, you know, building a house is different than it was five years ago. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. What else is on your mind? I'm just still confused by the by those two girls coming in in the halter tops and you were a big, bad whopper knocker. Knocker, snocker, whopper. <laughs> what were you? <laughs> I even waste my time uh, talking a, a to you. A whopper knocker? Whopper slopper. A whopper slopper. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we uh, used to call ourselves. And Did I, you get their number to, as a smooth-talking um, counter boy? At, oh, hey. at, uh, yeah. at, uh, I, I, I got no game now. You think I had game when I was 17? <laughs> You've got a nice set yourself, young lady. Yeah. Sounded yeah, that, like you that, had that's, game. That's a way. That's a way. To, Let me ask you this uh, question. What, what did they order? I don't remember. I, don't know. I thought you'd like had it burned in your brain. You're like a bit of a stalker or something. <laughs> was that in Columbus, Ohio, as you drove your dad's Studebaker? Oh, that was in Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I could have, uh, I could have, you know, I didn't just made up an offer, an order, you know, I could have. Yeah. Um, all right. So um, really a slow news week. Not a lot of news. Uh, well, the, the whole news has been, well, two things. I mean, because of Memorial Day weekend, so that's been a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of the news there. But of course, also just what happened in Texas. And but quite honestly, we talked about that last week. And I, I mean, other than the fact that the police just stood outside and did nothing. Uh, I mean, Yeah, I'm not going to complain to anybody uh, in an active police shooting. I mean, two police officers got shot. So how are you supposed to know? It's pure chaos. And I've never been in an active shooting location. And I don't know what you're supposed to do. And I don't know how you're supposed to do it. The whole thing is heartbreaking. Uh, but yeah. do Republicans, uh, I don't want to talk about it. Um, I do want to talk about this, though. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Don't you start something and then just what? What do you want? I, I, I just find it interesting that Republicans, unless they're playing Lucy with the football, really you're talking about some type of red flag law or raising oh, the age. Some or are, doing some something. Are. I mean, you still had, you know, the NRA meeting with Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz saying the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Yeah, well, the good guy with a gun in Buffalo shot the bad guy in his Kevlar vest, and he wound up getting killed. You know, uh, the good guys with the gun there in Texas didn't go storming. I mean, it's, you know. it. Well, yeah, but Mitch McConnell told John Cornyn to try and cut a deal. Those people have a lot of juice in the Republican Party. So yeah, Ted these Cruz same, is a. These are, the same, these are the same Republicans. These are the same Republicans that on January 6th were sick and tired of Donald Trump. And on January 7th, we're back there kissing his ass. Uh, no, I, look, I, I'm not saying it's, it's going to be forever. Who knows how long it's going to last? I just find it interesting that, um, one, you couldn't take a gun on the NRA floor. And then, two, um, they're talking about. So we'll, we'll see if it lasts. We'll, we'll see if it's a head fake. We'll see if it's Lucy playing football. But whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I got home yesterday. I was down at the Lake of the Ozarks. And I got mm-hmm. home yesterday. I flipped on the TV. You know what movie I was on? Top Gun? Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Oh, yeah. Memorial Day, right? Saving, saving yeah. Private Ryan. Do you know what movie beat that out for best movie? I, I really don't. What? Shakespeare in Love. 
You're kidding. No. A Harvey Weinstein movie, no less. Yeah. <laughs> Shakespeare in Love. It was like one of the first where they did like a campaign where they like mailed stuff and took billboards out and swayed enough Oscar voters so that Shakespeare in Love beat out Saving Private Ryan as best movie. Now, when was the last time anybody heard or saw anything about Shakespeare in Love? Yeah, but Saving Private Ryan is an iconic movie. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, no, I, no, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, that is a travesty. 30 well, that, years later. That, that's years. the whole Academy Award thing, though. But, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Saving Private Ryan. My dad was a World War II vet, and I took him, I took him to see Saving Private Ryan. And we went, and just, I mean, my dad was probably in his late 70s at this time, right? And we went, and it was just a, uh, just a, an incredibly intense movie. My dad never talked about his time in the war. He never really talked about it. On the drive home, he opened up, and he was talking about, you know, friends of his that didn't come back from the war, friends of his that came back missing a limb, people that he knew that, you know, that wound up, you know, what we call yeah. alcohol post-traumatic stress disorder. Back then, they just thought, it, you know, the guy turned crazy, yeah. you know? I mean, yeah. uh, you know, and, that, and it was just so weird because it was anybody else's father. I could have sat there and ask questions and oh, excuse me, I need to turn this off. That was a pretty poignant story I was in the middle of. And yeah. Yeah, I almost shed a tear and then your yeah. phone ruined it. Um, but anyway, it was anybody else's father. I would have sat there, I would have asked a million questions, I would have, I would have been enthralled. But because it was my dad showing a side of him that he'd never showed before, I just felt really uncomfortable. You know, I mean, it's just, and, you, it was just, and you wimped out. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, I mean, so many questions oh. now. I wish I would have asked them, but I couldn't because it was like my dad was throwing his vulnerable side, and yeah, yeah that I'd never seen. I didn't know how to react to that. And you were like, "Hey, what are the Cleveland Indians doing tonight?" Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it, it was that. Hey, sure is nice weather, huh? Yeah, you know, I mean, but at the end of that movie, at the end of that movie, when Ryan goes, uh, you know, wondering he's at the gravesite and wondering yeah. if it was worth it. Yeah. You know, well, you and I look. You and I were both on that trip to uh, Normandy, yeah. and we both we both been to that graveyard, uh, you know, that gravesite, and it's it's emotional well, as hell. And when you when he turns and he looks at his wife and his kids, and obviously his grandkids, right? And the wife meets him at the gravesite, and it's almost like she says, oh, "Who is this man? I've never heard you talk about this man, this John Miller, right?" To, to yeah. Tom Cruise's character, and you know, he's just like, "I can't even be." How do I even begin to tell you this this story? Right? Where do I where do I start? That I lost my three brothers and these strangers came and saved me. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and I know it's fictional, but it just touches on so many other similar stories. And if you ever get a chance to go to Normandy, and if you ever get a chance to go to that gravesite, and I'll throw this on top of that, it kind of really nothing really pisses me off, but it kind of really pisses me off. When people think that France is not America's friend. Remember that whole after 9-11 when they wanted to ban French fries and all that stupid Ooh, stuff? Oh, they're freedom right? fries, yeah. Right, right, right. Well, you drive through Normandy on January 6th. We were there for the, who knows, what? it was, wasn't a big one. It wasn't a big one. It was like a 78 or... No, yeah, but no, it was in January. It was, it, it was what, June, right? We were, we were there 
we were there June 5th, the day before the celebration, and you drive through Normandy, and there are American flags after American flags after American flags on every single home, and on vacant lots, they dress up as American GIs and march. And you come to America on the 4th of July, and you don't see any American flags on American homes. No, so it, it was it was incredible. My favorite story about that. Okay, so McGraw and I years McGraw uh, and I years ago went on one of these uh, media trips, you know, uh, where a bunch of listeners come and you go on a on a trip. And we were we went we we're in France, and we're in Normandy. Now McGraw and all of his people were from St. Louis. I'm from Omaha, right? So go to the security at the airport to come back home. And I go to the guy, show him my passport, and it's, oh, Omaha. We have an Omaha beach here. And I said, yes, I go, yes, I know. I, we went and visited Omaha beach. I said, my father fought in France during World War II. And, uh, and I said, and the man goes, oh, Omaha. He says, here, you get in this line. I was through security in like eight minutes. Right. The St. Louis people, on the other hand, like 45 minutes later, you're just then getting through security. Yeah, but because I was from Omaha, and I said uh, my dad fought in World War II, I got special treatment. So to your point about the French being nice, uh, could not agree more. They were yeah. they were they were incredibly nice. I also, because I also had a, a a friend of mine that spoke French, printed up a card for me before we left. And the card basically said it was in French. It said, "I'm too stupid to learn French. Do you speak English?" And whenever I got to a situation, I would read that card and the person would either laugh and start talking English or laugh and bring over somebody that did. And you're right. You know, I think what the whole thing about the French is that they hate America and all that. They hate that American that goes over there and says, hey, French, you know, if it wasn't for us, you'd be speaking German. Right. I think, I think they hate those guys. Yeah. But I think well, overall, they like Americans. Because, quite frankly, we were returning the favor because Lafayette saved our ass during the Revolutionary War. Yeah, I'm not sure that that was the oh, first reason. If the, but... French, if the French do not come in and oh, help no, us, no, I'm not the saying French, that's... we're not an independent country. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm, not saying that's, I'm not saying that's not true. But I'm also not saying that, um, you know, when um, uh, Hitler is roaming through uh, Europe, FDR is thinking, hey, you know, Lafayette really helped us out back in the day. <laughs> let's Let's go see what we can do for the goal. I mean, I don't think that that's what he did. No, I, I don't. Th- there were larger forces at work. But however, uh, I will tell you um, that um, it's interesting how they saved us during Re- Revolutionary War and we saved them in World War II. In fact, um, I, I know we're going a little long here and it's, it's a little bit of a history lesson. And I only learned this not too long ago, but... Um, during World War One, right, it was so bloody and so horrific and so many casualties that the French lost a whole generation of men, right? So they were 20, right, 18, 19, 20, 21. They died in such large numbers. They weren't there to have children. So... 20 years later, in 1936, 37, 38, 40, right? 41, 42, 
the kids weren't born because their dads died in World War I. So the Germans ran through France because they didn't have any men because they were never born because their fathers died in World War I. I had never thought of it that way, but that makes that makes logical sense. Yeah. 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 That, that was really sense. yeah. So these people who are like, well, they didn't really stand up for their country. As a matter of fact, they did. And the French resistance was so instrumental in us retaking Europe. Um, the French, you know, get a bad rap, but those for people who just don't understand history. Well, you know, I saw I saw all the work that uh, Lebeau did uh, on Hogan's Heroes. So, uh, you know, I, the French were a big part of us uh, winning the war. And, you know, quite frankly, who doesn't love Pepe Le, Le Pew? Yep. Well, uh, uh, Pepe Le Pew would be um, me too now. So, oh, yeah, Pepe, yeah, Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> uh, Madra, you're, you're, you're showing your age here, okay? You can't have Pepe Le Pew anymore because, you know, he was... Uh, but, but that is, you think about it, you think about it, as, as a kid growing up during the Pepe Le Pew era, you know, you're, that's your first uh, idea of what romance is. <laughs> <laughs> what some 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 skunk being being too forward? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, well, and by the way, there's probably probably some women that have dated guys like that. But anyway, that's probably why you freaked out when you saw those women at the uh, at the Burger King stand. <laughs> I should have put on my best Pepe Le Pew. Uh-huh. Man, man, right. Would you All like right. to see Wabir? What? Uh, let's do over under. Okay, over under. This is where we have the most overreported news story of the week, and then the most underreported news story of the week. I'll go first with over. Over is the high price of gas. Who doesn't know that gasoline is expensive? I know it. I see it every day. I'm driving down the street. You know it. We don't need the newsmen telling us, boy, gas sure is expensive. That, to me, is the most overreported story of the week. Or how about blaming Biden for it? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's hard for people to understand, but Joe Biden's really not the reason why they're high gas prices. No. Because the president really doesn't have a say. Even when George W. Bush was president and gas was $4 a gallon, he really didn't have much say in the price of gas. Well, that was Cheney's doing. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Uh, I would go with that. I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that being over, over, uh, overblown. Um, I will... My underreported story, and I'm very disappointed you didn't um, you didn't bring this up last week. I huh. gave you the, I gave you the opening, and you chose not to take it. So I'm going to have to clean up on the backside. The the biggest story of the last two weeks that has been underreported, hands down, is that the University of Nebraska will no longer allow hot air red balloons to be handed out at home football games. We didn't talk about that last week. No. No, I thought we did. Uh, yeah. No, you were too busy sucking the oxygen, uh, sucking the helium out of the balloons to realize that Nebraska has a helium shortage, and they're going to save it for their scientists and not for the football fans. This is an outrage. The world has a helium shortage. It's not just Nebraska, and part of the reason that the world has a helium shortage is Russia's fault, because Russia actually is a big producer of helium. But here's the thing: they've talked no, about no, getting- no, 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 no. It's not Russia's fault. It's Obama's fault. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. <laughs> the um, uh, uh, they talked about getting rid of the uh, red balloons uh, for years. You know the whole idea, I mean, but it's been a problem. Okay, so like for like sixty years, whenever Nebraska scores their first touchdown, the fans would let go of helium, red helium balloons. 
And it really was quite a spectacular thing to see, you know, uh, being in that stadium with all these balloons flying around. It's pretty cool. But these balloons were showing up like, you know, 10 states over and birds were eating them and dying and stuff, right? So they've been talking about getting rid of these uh, balloons for years because of the uh, environmental issues. But uh, they couldn't do it for environmental issues. But the lack of helium gave them the uh, door, the opening to uh, stop doing the uh, stop doing the balloons. But um, yeah, uh, so the, the, the no, no more no more helium balloons at the mid red games. But the other problem was is that Nebraska was not storing touchdowns anymore. So these people would be holding onto the balloons, you know, until you know the end of the fourth quarter. Um. No more 99 Luft balloons. No more. My, no more. my most uh, underreported story, my most underreported story is uh, <laughs> that Herschel Walker is pissed at Donald Trump. Oh, I didn't hear this. Yeah, well, that's why it's underreported. There's Donald, Donald Trump who endorsed Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker yeah. is going to be the Republican nominee for Georgia Senate. Donald Trump is saying that he got Herschel Walker to run. And Herschel Walker saying, bullshit. I, I made the decision to run for Senate. He's just tagging along. So Herschel Walker now is having a little bit of a break from Donald Trump. And maybe that's because Herschel Walker also saw that Trump didn't do so well in Georgia overall. And so he needs to sort of uh, separate himself from uh, the Donald. But I think that is the most uh, under, one of the most underreported stories of the past week. Well, you know, Herschel Walker has been well known to talk about his multiple personality disorder. Does that mean I can vote numerous times for him? Uh, no, it no, doesn't. First I, of all, I you don't live vote. in Georgia. No, I can, well, that doesn't matter. I voted for Biden. I don't live in Georgia. <laughs> joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. We have, a, we have a, um, uh, a petition going around here in Nebraska for voter ID. And whenever they ask me if I want to sign a petition for voter ID, I say, no, but I'll, I'll sign a petition for voter IQ. <laughs> what do they say? Uh, they don't know what to say. It's yeah, uh, they, uh, yeah. You're right, comedian. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so I guess that's about it. Huh? We're, hey, how's this podcast doing? You're actually, you know what? Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. We're getting, we're getting right. People are like downloading this. People are listening to it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I have people that comment on it all the time. They uh, hear the uh, hear the podcast and uh, and well, mention it. So yeah, so um, yeah. But anyway, if you haven't done so already, subscribe, hit the like button, do all that stuff, so that every Thursday you don't forget that uh, Becca and Milhaven just saying is now available for your listening enjoyment. Well, as I was reading a quote from Bob Cassis earlier this this week or last week, and he said that there are officially now more podcasts than there are humans on the planet. And he's probably not that far off. And he's been on 75% of them, he said. <laughs> you know, you know, that's it. Because when you and I came up with the name of this, we did like very little market research. Because we thought like we were being so unique and original, right? And uh, so when it's going to be just saying, do you know there are not like thousands and thousands of podcasts that have just saying in the name? We should, uh, we should change it to enlarge prostate. Like senior, like, you know, it's a senior. It's like a bunch of old people talking. No, I don't think that's a good idea at all. No, that should be a great name for a band. What's what's your band's name? Enlarged Prostate. <laughs> I could, that, could be, that could be either a punk rock band or a polka band. You could go either way. 
Or buy a boat. That'd be a great name for a boat. Enlarge prostate. They get a really nice boat. You know, you know, small penis and large prostate. <laughs> no, the, the small penis is your little, um, it, that's your little uh, s- ski do that drives around. Yeah, have, have some, have, have some, uh, have some uh, seventy-year-old guy with uh, some twenty-two-year-old hot babe in the in the boat with him. Yeah. Uh, God love you. We've we've really gone way too long on this. All right. Uh, so I'm through with you. I will. Uh, I guess we'll do this again next week. Hey, Tom. Yes, McGraw. Bye-bye. Adios, my friend. Or me amigo, I guess, would be the right term there. A Huda Media Production.